That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. We need to roll back the state. We spy on all of our own citizens. Our prisons are flooded with nonviolent drug offenders. If you want to know who America's next enemy is, look at who we're funding right now. Every single one of these problems are a result of government being way too big. I think I just hit that camera, messed it all up right on the way up here. What the fuck is up, Zany Chicago? How is everybody? Oh, wait, I'm not, damn it, I'm not supposed to curse in the first few minutes. Well, don't worry, we're going to have world-class footage of that wall now, so in the history of Zany's, no one's ever recorded a wall that good. Yeah, this, YouTube has weird rules, and so we've been doing a lot of these live uh, podcasts, and about... 20% of them make it to YouTube. There's, there's just something about being in a comedy club with like, you know, right away, I just want to start saying the most horrific things you could possibly say. And it's, uh, okay, but I'll try to stop. Chicago, how is everybody doing? Oh, what a great time. Man, these, uh, this is our, uh, our, our first run at the Zanies clubs here. We did the Rosemont Club and this one too. And these are the best clubs in Chicago, I got to say. This is the best, best comedy club. How many of you guys were at the stand-up show before this? Okay. Very good. Well, I appreciate you guys coming out. I appreciate you guys sticking around. We've been having a, a great time, Rob. You've been, uh, what have you been doing in Chicago so far? Oh, I've uh, explored everything to see in that strip mall. <laughs> it's oh, un- at, yeah. Yeah, it, we were out in Rosemont. That's where they put us up. It, There's not a lot going on there. <laughs> I was like, it's so boring in Rosemont. You're like, I could really go for some black-on-black crime. Like, that's how bad it is. You're like, can I just see one gang fight while I'm here? Before I, I guess I'll go eat at the mall court again. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible uh, traveling the country and then going back to it feels like the strip mall you were just at. <laughs> it's Yeah, America fucking sucks. Like, it's like... 90% of this country is the same food court in a strip mall. And that's, it's, that's why like, I kind of like this place. There's something about like comedy clubs. I was uh, The owner of this club and the Rosemont Club came out to Rosemont the other day. And Rosemont's like a little bit newer and nicer. And she was like, just so you know, the downtown club's like a little older and it's a little dingy. You know, people are packed in there. 
And I'm like, yeah, that's what I like. I want to do stand-up comedy on a slave ship. Like I want people to be uncomfortable and miserable. I want rotting wood around them. I want that feeling of like a rat running over your foot while you're in the audience. That's what I'm in this game for. You know? Like, you don't want to... That's the thing that sucks about, like, the corporatization of America. You travel all around, and everyone's just... Every town you're in, it's like, oh, I'll go to Applebee's and have a Heineken. Like, that's, like... That's what everyone is. I don't want to do that. I want to come to Chicago and talk to a crack whore. You know what I mean? And, like, a real local crack whore who, like, knows about the area and, like, can tell me shit that I wouldn't have found out anywhere else, you know? And she's never even heard of Alabama. Like, that's... The, uh, I think you get the point I'm trying to make, Rob. <laughs> the other thing is I, I just ate cheese for the first time in three years. Now I'm playing a game called Where Will I Shit My Pants? It's That's a fun a one. It, it's really living on the edge. It's a regular segment on this podcast. <laughs> Where Will Rob Shit His Pants? <laughs> Dude, it's so, when did this happen to you that you can't eat cheese anymore? Oh, I'm telling you, it's right when I started eating meat and cheese. God's like, That's it. He, he, he just cursed me right His, then and uh, there. So my, I have two friends that I know. Uh, who grew up like Orthodox Jewish and were like totally, you know, in that world. And it's you and Ari. Ari Shafir, as everybody knows. Great, one of the best rapists in the country. <laughs> and he is top 10 for sure. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's so funny that both of you guys, it's a weird thing. Now, I'm Jewish, but not like, you know, <laughs> like, I'm not like that. Like, I was never kosher. <laughs> But they both had points where they stopped eating kosher, and they had been doing it their whole life. Which you can imagine is almost like, you know, that's a big thing. It's like if you were, uh, what's that movie with uh, um, with John uh, Goodman, where he tricks that girl into thinking the world's going to end, and he keeps her in a basement, and then she goes oh, outside, and she can breathe, you know? <laughs> That's right, Cloverfield. Then I think it does turn out the world is actually ending. Whatever. Cool movie, though. Um, but it's kind of like that. Like, you've been inside your whole life, and then you're like, oh, I can go outside and breathe. And I'm only judging this off the two of you, but you don't handle it well. <laughs> you don't, like, you go right for it. And so, like, Ari's story is the first non-kosher meal he ever had was Taco Bell. Ooh. And... He just ate like a oh. ton of Taco Bell. And then he just like was puking his guts out. And then he's like, oh my God, God's mad. That I didn't do it. But like, then he finally realized, you're like, no, that's Taco Bell. Like, that's not, it's not that God's mad. It's we all know you can't eat that much Taco Bell, you know? And Rob's story, I think I might have said this on the podcast yeah, before. Me and you, cheesecakes. So, yes, okay. So I mean, cheesecakes. Yes. So the first time Rob ever, we were in New York City. This is a decade ago. We were doing stand-up shows, and Rob was like, we're, we're drunk at the end of the night. And Rob goes to me, he goes, you know, I've never had a Philly cheesesteak before. And I was like, really, never? I go, let's go get one right now. And there was this spot in New York uh, called 99 Miles to Philly. It was these Philly guys who came out to New York, and that was, you know, it's 99 miles away. And that was the whole, like, gimmick. But they were real, authentic Philly cheesesteaks. So I was like, we're going to go there, dude. It's the best fucking thing in the world. And we go there and we get cheesesteaks. And uh, Rob was like, this is incredible. Great. And then I do remember this. We finish the cheesesteaks. And then Rob goes, you want to hit the burger joint next door? <laughs> and I was like, no, you psychopath. <laughs> like, we just ate cheesesteaks. Who wants a burger now? But this is how Rob is with eating. Like, he's like, he's like a guy 
who had a real coke problem who hasn't done coke in a while and you're like take a bump you know and then he's like okay you want to do a mountain now <laughs> like you want to fucking really do so anyway we had cheesesteaks and i was like no i don't want to get a burger now whatever we end the night pretty sure rob got a burger but i went home and then the next morning i called rob and i call it's a morning and I call him, and I was like, hey, what's up, dude? What are you up to? And he goes, oh, I'm just grabbing a cheesesteak. <laughs> and I was like, it's not an everyday thing, man. Like, what are you doing? What do you mean? You're having your second cheesesteak mere hours after the first? Anyway, this is why you're fucking allergic to cheese now. <laughs> it's because you got into it, and you went so hard. That, like, harder than anyone's supposed to go. And now, if Rob even, like, sees cheese, he just shits his pants <laughs> immediately. You ruined it for yourself. You gotta pace yourself, dude. I was telling you this for a while. I don't, I'm sorry for lecturing you while you're about to shit your pants. <laughs> but, uh, it's where I am. Well, I'm keeping it together for now. It's not gonna happen on this stage. I can assure you of that. I can assure you. And if it does, these people in the back get paid a handsome fee <laughs> to clean that up. They'll take care of it. Don't worry. All right, so if you guys have never been to a live Part of the Problem podcast before, the way it works, we bullshit a little bit about some stories in the news that we think are fun, and then we do a question and answer segment. Anyone uh, who wants to can ask a question, and I will answer it. I can't promise that I won't lie, but I will <laughs> answer whatever question you have. Um, so You're really getting into politics. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that woman told me she was 18 years old, okay? <laughs> All right, so what, what do we got here, Rob? I guess, okay, the first uh, story that was on our list that's really blowing up, I wrote down a list and didn't bring it with me. Um, but ironically, the first story was that Joe Biden got caught with a cheat sheet. Did you guys see this? Now, I wrote out a cheat sheet and forgot it in the green room. So maybe I'm dumber than the president, yeah. as it turns out. I'm dumber than him. Well, that's like sometimes when they give him, like, uh, shit for uh, falling on stairs. I'm like, if you feel me every time I was on the stairs, I take some slip and falls. I'm just not that coordinated. Like, falls on stairs happen. Can you imagine if every time you're on a staircase, they filmed you? Dude. I, I told you this because, okay, so Rob's been to my house. And you know this, so I live, I'm like in the country now, and I live on a mountain, and it's a big, how do you describe it? My driveway is a slope, you know, like it's a big slope. It's a slope because you're a city person. <laughs> All right, fair enough. It's a as, fucking as, suburbs as, driveway that's well, a little as long. A, as a New York City Jew, it's a fucking cliff, <laughs> all right? That's what it is. Yeah. It's a goddamn cliff. Dave's like, you like you skiing, should, you gotta check out my driveway. Dude, you should bungee cord off my driveway. <laughs> that's how steep it is. No, come on. I mean, but you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's got steep. an incline. It's, it, there's sure. a real incline. Yeah, if you're and, an old and, man, of course. It's a okay. tough driveway. Son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, fine. So, and it's on a mountain. So we get a lot of snow up there. And I was bringing the like the trash to the top, and I struggled to get to the top, <laughs> but I got there. But walking back down, I fell once, but it wasn't the way I fell. It was how many times I almost fell after that. <laughs> almost falling is actually more hilarious than falling. Like, I, I fell once, and then I got up, and then I walked down, and then I almost fell four more times. <laughs> and I swear, I could... Like, this is the curse of being a comedian. I could hear Bob Saget's voice narrating. 
my almost falls as they're like, woo, 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 like the whole way back down. Anyway, yes, I give Biden a pass on the falling. Um, but so what happened here, Rob? He got caught with notes. They were on his hand or in his no hand. Way. Yeah, so uh, here's the problem with the guy with dementia. You can give him simple instructions like stand there. Here's the way to walk off the stage. Here's your notes. But like still, he, you know, he lived. So he lifted up and they caught a camera angle of his notes. And on the notes, there was a picture of the person he was supposed to call on a the actual pronunciation of her name, the question she was going to ask, and then a uh, the answer he was supposed to give. So literally, it was evidence of the fact that these uh, conferences seem to be scripted down to the question and him responding. Um, and they busted him for it. You know what's crazy is even after all of that, he's still not nailing it. <laughs> <laughs> like, even after, <laughs> like, even after all of that, you're like, he's not doing a great job. <laughs> With this. That is, but didn't, isn't it funny? It's just like you find proof of what we already knew. Like, we all knew that was what was fucking happening. That was crazy. Do you remember back in um, so in 2016 when the uh, DNC emails got released by uh, the heroic Julian Assange? Who fucking, like, just dumped all that shit? God damn, that guy's a fucking... A true fucking American hero. Even if he's not American. And they say he raped that chick. Whatever. By the way, they didn't even say he raped a chick. What was his crime... I think his crime was like, they said he was fucking a chick, uh, like all night, and then one time he didn't use a condom, and didn't tell her, and you're like that that's rape. <laughs> all right, I thought that was called being a man, but whatever. Okay, fine, fine, if that's what you want to call it. Um, but so he that one of the things in his dump was that they found out that that chick Donna Brazil, uh, she had. But she was, like, leaking the CNN questions to Hillary Clinton. And that, and you know it's real because the email is from before the town hall. And she's sending Hillary Clinton the questions. And then those questions were asked at the town hall. And so that's this is shit they do all the time. Like, you know what the question's going to be before it's asked. What's fun about Biden is that you know... The reason they wrote it down on this piece of paper is because they're like, okay, we told you what the questions are going to be, but we know you're not going to remember that. <laughs> so here is it written down right in front of you. And sometimes you'll see him. I feel like Joe Biden is the type of guy who, like, they could tell him what the question's going to be and then write it down in front of him. And then when you ask the question, he'll still go, where did that come from? <laughs> like, what? So what's really the takeaway from this, Rob? Uh, well, they actually asked uh, the press secretary who owned it and said, yes, we coordinate it because we wanted to make sure that this lady had a chance to ask a question. Yeah, that's a bad excuse. <laughs> <laughs> so, they go, so we did it because we wanted to make sure this lady had it. But then you could have just called on her. You didn't have to write down what her question was. You know, they didn't let someone have a follow up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> they closed off the questioning. <laughs> I feel like. Everyone just knows how senile Joe Biden is that at a certain point when they start asking this question, like her response is just going to be like, I mean, come on, <laughs> like, come on. We all know what's happening here. What do you want to be a dick about it? Like, yeah, we had to write it down for him. Do you think that's why they quit is because they get to that point where they're like, I can't. I, it's almost like uh, uh, Will Ferrell's character in Austin Powers where you ask him the question three times. <laughs> And he's like, oh, that's well, a fucking great <laughs> reference if you guys don't remember that. 
Remember, he couldn't lie three <laughs> times in a row. <laughs> it's like just after a whole year of watching Biden and pretending like he's a sane individual. At some point, you just go, "You're gonna have to." It's like a call to the bullpen. Yeah, like you're the lying just starts corrupting your soul yeah. so much that you're like, I I could go work for MSNBC, but I can't do this anymore. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, yeah. Well, anyway, that's pretty funny that they caught him. They caught him with the fucking cards. How, who fucked up on that camera angle? Ooh, that's a good question. Who got sneaky and got around to the side? I don't even think it was that. I think he's not supposed to lift it up, and he just oh, lifted it up. up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that actually makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Like, I feel like even Biden could be like, in my defense, nowhere on this card did it say don't lift up. <laughs> Someone... Someone probably should have told me that, and then I wouldn't have lifted it up, but I don't know. I think he made the mistake. He was trying to show off that he could still lift things. <laughs> I can lift it, man. He goes, oh, it's time for my weight regimen. <laughs> Let me lift this index card. All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Yo Kratom. You know him, you love him, home of the $60 kilo. Look, if you are over the age of 21 and you enjoy Kratom, you got to go get your Kratom at YoKratom.com. It's lab-tested stuff. It's it's delivered right to your door, and it's the best deal you're going to find anywhere in Kratom, $60 for a kilo. They're the marquee sponsor of Skankfest, longtime sponsor of Part of the Problem. Go support the sponsors that support us, YoKratom.com. Home of the $60 kilo. All right. All right. What else we got? So the other uh, Biden had another bad blunder this week, which is uh, he was out in front of like a group of kids Mm -hmm. and someone asked him. He doesn't do good there. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? Did he he sniff them all to death? (laughs) He was. He He does have a tendency to sniff kids aggressively. Yeah. He was overwhelmed by all the uh, fresh scents and he just couldn't keep his composure. He does. Biden really, yeah, he's got a real problem. Look, we all have issues. Um, We all have addictions. I'd say there's not anyone in here who's not addicted to something. You know, like you might be like, I don't drink or I don't do drugs. But, you you know, maybe you drink coffee or, you know, maybe whatever, pornography or something. Joe Biden is addicted to sniffing children. And it's tough to kick an addiction. He's been told a lot of times you got to stop. And they put so many kids in front of him. So at what point? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. wrong. It's kind of like it's it's like a fucked up thing. Like if if he's like, come on, you know I'm in fucking rehab for this. Like what are you doing putting these kids in front of me? And you see him sometimes. Like the latest times that he's kept sniffing kids, you can kind of see a thing. And he's like, I know I'm not supposed to. But, uh, I just want to feel that rush again. I know, I just have ADD and I can't not, and this is only for me and you, but tell me the guy underneath Jeff Foxworthy doesn't look like Bobby Hutch. Wait, where is Jeff Foxworthy? Oh, right over yeah. here on the left and wall. And then, yeah, I see Bobby Hutch there. Way to point out something that no one in the audience <laughs> can say. It's just bugging at me. He's like staring right at me. Look at fucking On Mushroom's Jay Leno over here. He's fucking, looks better than Jay Leno's ever looked in his whole fucking life. Hey, dude, I'm tripping fucking balls over here. What do you want to know? I don't know. You guys see this fucking green sun behind me? Anyway, all right. Okay, thanks for coming out, folks. So this, this club is fucking great, by the way. This is exactly what a comedy club is supposed to be. I really... Fucking Zany Chicago is... This is one of my favorite clubs in the fucking country. And I mean that. It's supposed to be fucking pictures. Like, just a wall of pictures of fucking comedians when they were way younger than they are now. Like, I'm supposed to just look at people 
and just be like, oh, shit, look at that. You know, David Tell had hair or whatever. Like, I'm supposed to feel that. And I'm supposed to be like, oh, look, she was so pretty. She died of AIDS. Uh, like, that's the feeling you want to have in a goddamn comedy club. Uh, I'm sorry, so, Rob. Where were you? Okay. <laughs> so Biden is in front of all these kids, and in the span of three minutes, he's got just two horrible moments. First... He looks like he's a cartoon character. He's totally baffled, and he's trying to rattle off the names of his grandkids, and he can't get it right. And nobody's there to support him. So he just keeps going through the list, and he has to, like, start it over, like, four times to try and remind himself, like, I got Christy. She lives in Philly. And then I got... And he, and he just he can't get By the way, it. Biden's grandkids are, like, 62. So it's not like, it's not like we're talking about infants here. We're talking about grown adults. Yeah. They're already and- collecting Social Security. <laughs> And he's got to sign those China money checks to them, so he should know the names. <laughs> They're uh, signing checks to him. Oh, is that uh, the way it works? Yeah. Um, so anyway, and then also he can't remember what the last country he visited was, and someone has to tell him that it was Ireland. He was just Oof. there. Yeah. He's like, I was in Ireland? <laughs> Did I bomb them? <laughs> I don't know. He goes, it's been a long run, dude. I don't know. Been to a lot of places, bombed a lot of places. I don't remember which one was which. All right. Yeah. He's a, he is a source of entertainment. I, no, come on. Wouldn't you rather buy... You know, people, like, give him shit, but I love him as the president. I really do. I mean that. I, not, non-ironically, I mean, I love Joe Biden as the president. I think he is the perfect face for the crumbling empire <laughs> that we live in. Like, if you were like, uh, where's your country at right now? How could you best sum it up in one person? I'd be like, Joe Biden. That's what, that's what we got. You know? Like, if, if aliens came to our country and were like, take me to your leader, you'd be like, right, well, it's that guy. And like, they would be like, we get it. Okay, we get it. We completely understand everything now. And you're like, that's what I was saying. And then it was- it's like almost like the uh, overlords want uh, plausible deniability. That if the system goes under, they could be like, well, you guys voted in a guy with dementia. Like, yeah, <laughs> that and wasn't going to work. Yeah. And they'd, and they'd kind of be right, too. They'd be like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> what were you guys thinking? Okay, what do we got? What else we got, Rob? Well, the next topic that we had lined up was there was a New York Post article that um, they uh, the uh, NIH is starting to recognize that let's say you're a person with arms, but you see yourself as a person with no arms. You're mm-hmm. a guy with legs, and you see yourself as a guy with no legs, or you're a guy with eyesight, and you see yourself as a blind person. So they're recognizing that as I don't remember what they were calling it. Tra- yeah, transabled. Transabled. Oh man. <laughs> Which, let, me, let me just tell yeah. you, this is my my issue is just like LGBTQIA plus. How many more letters can we fit into this shit? You know, like now I got to worry about the guy who thinks he's a tree, <laughs> like that, and then you got. All right. Yeah. Well, this is what really makes no sense about this one to me is that like. I guess if you thought you were supposed to be a man or you thought you were supposed to be a woman, then you change yourself into that thing. And then I guess you get to pretend like you're experiencing that. But like if you identify as a guy with no arms, like do you envision a better life where you can't open up doors? (laughs) Like what do you think is on the other side of that that's going to be a good time for you? 
It's like they're just fucking with us at this point, you know? But that's commitment. Like they're, to... just, they're just like, how much can we make you our bitch? <laughs> and like, I bet, you, I bet they'll do this. Right. I said, throughout COVID and throughout all this crazy woke shit, I've always said, I feel like there are, there's like a group of billionaires somewhere who are all just gambling with each other. You know what I mean? Like, th throughout COVID, I feel like there were like, three like billionaires in a pool and one of them's like I bet I can have them wearing masks outside <laughs> and like another billionaire's like you could never get him to do that and he's like watch and see <laughs> and like you know what I mean like you remember in like trading places where like it's like something like that like you're like yeah like I bet we can get him to fucking recognize a man who identifies as a fucking meerkat <laughs> and be like I don't think they're gonna do that and like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it just seems like that's almost like they're just fucking with us so weirdly this is the logical conclusion of all the trans shit like, I, however you feel about it I'm just saying it is kind of the logical conclusion of all of it that like if look either bio, biological reality exists or it doesn't right so if you can just identify as a different sex and therefore you are that, well, why should it stop at that? Why shouldn't it be a different age or race or species or whatever, you know? And once you've accepted that premise, I think you have no defense against it. You're just like, all right, we already decided you can do this. We should really try to top them, you know? Like, we, like... We should be like, I identify as a murderer. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm not, so you can't prosecute me. But I, you have to die right now in order to, feel, in order to make me feel whole. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I identify as the ruler of the universe. So please, kneel before me. I don't know how else to handle it. So they're really putting this out in the NIH? Uh, apparently. I mean, as reported by the New York Post, uh, they're, I guess, recognizing these individuals, and the thought is that some of them might make the alter, uh, alterations themselves, so the medical industry might as well profit off of it. Oh, man. Are they going to start pushing this on kids now? Probably. Like hey, gonna be like, I, you might. You really like both your arms that much? <laughs> <laughs> haven't you thought about how much better your life could be with the stub? <laughs> you haven't gonna, even tried it. They're going to talk to kids and be like, so what's your preferred pronoun? Like, are you a he, a she, a they, a zur, or whatever? And they'll be like, how many arms do you have? <laughs> like, I mean, I know I can see, but like, how many arms do you feel like you should have? <laughs> yeah, no, we're doing great. <laughs> Nah, America, we're doing really good. That's a good sign. Good sign for the future of our country. Jesus fucking Christ. <coughs> Even though this is like the logical conclusion, it's just kind of hard to believe. It's hard to believe that's actually happening. But hey, we're all here for the ride. You know? Let's see what fucking happens. I don't know. Every day, I, I just try to like instill the opposite in my kids. Like I try to constantly remind them of the boundaries of reality. Like, you know, like sometimes like my kids are young, like my daughter's four. And sometimes she'll be like, I wish I was taller, you know, and I'll be like, well, you're not. <laughs> you're not. And that's reality. OK, 
Just try to subtly tell them that every day. I can't even let them play pretend anymore. Like, she's like, you know, she's like, I'm a fairy princess. And I'm like, you're a girl, all right? You're a four-year-old girl, and that's all you are. Sounds harsh, but you got to do what you got to do. Insulate them early. Don't let anyone ever tell you you're anything other than this. Can I, by the way, if there's anyone from the staff, by the way, clap it up for the staff here, everybody. They're incredible. And tip them heavily. Tip them very good. Also, could I get another one of these anti-heroes from you? Come on, I just got the whole crowd cheering for you. <laughs> if it's not up here in five minutes, I'm going to tell them all to not tip at all, all right? And they will follow me. They are my loyal army of people. Holy shit, that was shockingly quick. That was... Man, that chick wanted her tip tonight bad. That was insane how quick she got. It was like she was ready with it the whole show. It seemed physically impossible that she could have made it to the bar and back in that time. She just pegged it at my face. What do you mean, no tip? We just walked two people. <laughs> that oh, means that they were actually what? You guys didn't come to a comedy club to hear anti-trans propaganda tonight? What do you mean? You guys are leaving? No. I always, you know, it is, look, I'll say... We didn't say, even say anything about trans. We said things about not removing limbs that are working. <laughs> And two people were like, how no, dare they? No, nah, I, got, I got pretty into the trans oh, stuff. okay. I do, I don't even blame them, by the way, I'm sorry. Like, I think, sometimes, this is the thing. We do these fucking podcasts at comedy clubs. And what we do usually is we have a weekend run of doing stand-up shows. And then the last show, we do a live podcast. That's kind of what we've been doing as me and Rob have been touring. And one of the things that's kind of interesting that happens is that it's like, for the most part, it's people who were here either at the last stand-up show or a show this weekend or fans of the podcast who come out and see it. But every now and then, there's just someone who just came to a comedy club tonight. <laughs> you know? And this they were is just a, like, I'm yeah. just coming to a fucking comedy club to see what's going on. And then they hear us up here, and it's a lot. You know? <laughs> like, it's a lot. It's a lot if you thought you were just coming for a night of comedy. Now, coming to see us do stand-up, that's fine, you know, because we're just, like, telling jokes. But then I get up here, and I'm like, let me tell you how to protect your daughter in this world. <laughs> and fucking teach her young. <laughs> anyway, those people... Well, they were I'm Asian, sure and they knew that the next segment was Corona's their fault, so... <laughs> They, they were smart. They you know sensed what? the room, yeah. Someone go track them down and tell them that. Because <laughs> they might... Maybe they'll come back once they get it. All right. We can... What, what do you want to do, Rob? We got another topic or so? Or you well, want to move on the, to questions? Uh, what are we... Uh, where are we at? We had one more topic, which was uh, Bernie Sanders' philosophy on billionaires. Oh, yeah. Bernie... Yeah. Bernie Sanders... Don't you... Don't be weird. Good man. Bernie Sanders, he was on uh, some news show the other day. Oh, he was on with Chris Wallace, it was. And Chris Wallace was grilling him about when he said uh, billionaires should be illegal. He was saying that, so Bernie Sanders was saying it should be illegal to be a billionaire. And Chris Wallace, what did he say? He was like, oh, so you're saying you could have like $999 million. But if you make another million dollars, then that should all be confiscated by the government or something like that? Yeah. And what was his response? Yes. <laughs> 999 is enough of millions. After that, it should go to other people. He goes, yeah, he said, 
I believe what he said, if I'm not getting this wrong, was he said that um, I think you can get by on $999 million. And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, you could get by on $1 million, you know? But, but the, I wrote a book and I already have that amount of money. Right, yeah. Like <laughs> so you that is get, a bad metric. You could get by on a lot less than you have, dude. But that's... You know what's funny is that I remember, like, I really agreed with Bernie Sanders when I was uh, 16. Because that's when that made sense to me. Like, I, I remember, uh, when I was 16, so there, it was actually even younger than that. When I was 14, I worked at a, this is pretty Jewish. I, I worked at a bagel store. That was a... Uh, that was my summer job when Dude, I was 14. You might as well have gone to synagogue. Yeah. No, I didn't want to be gay about it. But I did. But I did. I worked at a bagel store. And this is, let me make it even lamer for you. It was called Bagel Lady. Yeah, it was a woman who owned it. And she named so the store. So there were bad bagels? Bagel. <laughs> not bad, just like not great at math. Right. So They, they, complained, they complained a bunch? So I was a bagel lady at age 14. Did you have to wear a uniform? I was part of the fierce army of bagel ladies. <laughs> I don't remember. No, not a uniform, but like I think maybe an apron or something. You know, I think I had to rock a baby. I don't know. But there was. But I worked at this store. It was in Park Slope, Brooklyn on 7th Avenue. It was called Bagel Lady. And uh, it was not. A, it was a fucking tough job. It, was, it sucked, man. Mornings were slammed. And you would just be working on a line going, like, out the fucking door. Uh, we, it was me and my friend Brian, who was another 14-year-old kid with me. And we both worked there together. We were good friends. And we made uh, $4 an hour off the books, all illegal. And, um, but at the end of the week, we had so much money for weed. Like, it was great. Like, we were so excited. Like we both have a hundred and twelve dollars, you know. We're gonna we're gonna get so high, and uh, but so we were we worked at this place, Bagel Lady, and there were a bunch of Mexicans in the back, and I think they were making about what I was making. I don't know. Maybe they were like risen up to five dollars an hour or something. But it was we were all making shit money, all off the books. But I remember at the time, I really thought there like this was wrong. I was like, this is fucked up. These Mexicans are getting paid so little. Because I was like 14, but these guys were like 35, you know? And they were like, these, a lot of these guys had kids and stuff. And I was like, this is insane. They should get paid more. There should be a minimum wage, you know? And then as I got older, I found out there was a minimum wage. <laughs> and they were still working under the table. And then it dawned on me that I was like, oh, they're dodging the minimum wage. Because if she had to pay them $12 an hour instead of $4 an hour, she'd hire people who spoke fucking English. You know what I mean? So, like, actually, this was their best weapon, that they were willing to undercut that. That's how they got employed. So I was like, oh, fuck, that, that kind of dawned on me. And then the other thing I used to really think when I was, like, a teenager on the same intellectual level as Bernie Sanders was... <laughs> I would think there should be like, I used to think no one should be allowed to have more than $10 million. Because why do you need more than that? You know, like in the same logic, you can live off that. But then I kind of realized as I learned a thing, 
that I go, oh, but then anyone who made $10 million would just stop working because there's no incentive for them to keep working. So you'd literally convince all of the most productive people in society to stop. That's not a great idea. Like That's not going to work out well. So Bernie Sanders is saying anyone who's worth $999 million should what? Just shut down their whole operation? Like, that's it. So how do you think that would play out if every billionaire in the country just went, we're done. We're closing our business because there's no reason for me to work anymore. I think that would make us way richer than we are today, right? <laughs> it really is like commie-type fucking thinking. That's what they used to do. They used to go to fucking everyone who had, like, a farm that was, like, producing the most and go, this is so fucked up that you're producing so much. This is like what Mao Zedong and Stalin would do. Go to a farm and be like, hey, you're producing so much here that you have more than everybody else. This is wrong. And they were like, okay, we'll stop. And then, you know, everyone starved to fucking death because that's what happens <laughs> when you do that. Anyway, he's a good dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Small Batch. Many years ago, buying cigars online wasn't so easy, but thanks to Small Batch, it now is. While you could find a great selection back in the day, you never knew how the cigars were going to be treated before they arrived on your doorstep. The process was less than ideal, and many dry cigars were shipped the cheapest and slowest way possible. Andrew set out to revolutionize the experience in 2012 and reverse engineer it, starting with how we would want to receive cigars in the mail. He wanted lightning-fast shipping on every order that was absolutely free. He also wanted Bavetta packs included in every box along with an abundance of bubble and plastic wrap to reduce damage. It needed to be as simple as finding what you want and knowing it would arrive quickly and safely. It had to be simple, fast, and that's what you get with Small Batch. They were the first online vendor to provide free shipping on every order along with free Bavetta pouches in every package to ensure freshness. Their customers also earn 5% reward points on almost every order, with very few exceptions, like their limited Cigar of the Month clubs. They offer more than just an incredible selection of rare, hard-to-find, and limited-edition cigars. For instance, they are America's favorite online tobaccoist because they offer the best customer experience on the planet, the customer service that every cigar enthusiast deserves. Right now, if you go to smallbatchcigar.com and use the promo code PROBLEM10, you'll get 10% off off your order, plus 5% rewards points. Free shipping on every order. Almost every order in the continental United States delivers in two to three days. Free Bavetta packages included with every purchase. The most thorough packaging in the industry. And like I said, you can earn 5% reward points. If you want it, they've got it. Smallbatchcigars.com has been the destination for boutique cigar enthusiasts for over a decade now, servicing tens of thousands nationwide. Small Batch Cigars is the online extension of Maxmar Ultimate Cigars, providing the same luxurious cigar experience of their brick and mortar in Southern California to enthusiasts from coast to coast. Smallbatchcigar.com, promo code PROBLEM10. All right, let's get back into the show. All right, you got anything, or you want to get to some fucking questions? Uh, the last, there was the Jer uh, Jerome Powell uh, prank phone call. If you wanted to address that, oh yeah, I didn't actually see this. Did you? You watched it, right? So, so these same yeah. people. How the fuck is this group of people pranking so many important people? 
How do they get through to them? And how do I start doing this? <laughs> well, you know what's incredible? You know like how people in other countries sometimes just don't get it? These people don't understand the idea of a prank phone call because they just had a normal conversation with him. Like, it was just a boring... I couldn't even get through the conversation. They just had a normal financial conversation with Jerome Powell. Where you're just scratching your head. It's like, wait a second. Why isn't he looking at the guy and realizing it's not Zelensky? And why does Zelensky need to have a conversation with Powell that's just general conversations about financial markets? And Dude, how do you get through to the guy? I'll tell you, I've had... Um, okay, so I've had a few situations with me where people have reached out to me. And I'm like, I don't think this is the real person. And I've always been able to figure it out. And that's me. <laughs> like, it's not that crazy. Like, I, um, so I've had, uh, um, so recently, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., his, like, campaign team reached out to me. And they, uh, they were like, my, my wife sent me the email. My wife, like, is my manager. She takes care of, like, all my fucking shit. Like, I have an agent, and then I have my wife. And I'm fucking both of them. And no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. That part's not true. That part's not true. That's not true. Only my agent. But I do. Uh, I don't know where. I do. It's too easy. Uh, but so my wife sends it to me, and she goes, uh, she goes. There's an email from these people. They say they're from Robert F. Kennedy's campaign. She goes, let me dig into this a little bit. And then she goes, she goes, oh, yeah, they, their email address is actually from the site that is his campaign site and blah, blah, blah. I checked it on this and it's real. Like, we figure that out. Like, how do you I've had things where like um, after when I was on Rogan last time, uh, not that, that I was just on it uh, a week ago, but and it was legendary. Uh, but when I was on it, uh, the well, thank you for those of you who have seen it. So the time I was on it before then. Afterward, Tucker Carlson texted me and he was like, uh, he's like, I just get a text from a number and he's like, hey, Dave, it's Tucker Carlson. Just wanted to say I really loved your appearance on Rogan. I thought you made great points. And so right away, I just went, no, <laughs> I went, no, that's not Tucker Carlson. This is too weird. But so then I called Kennedy, uh, who works at Fox as well, who I know and love. And I went, hey. Do you know what Tucker Carlson's number is? Because I just got a text from this number, and she goes, that's Tucker Carlson. So then I was like, oh, it is him. And then we started texting. And then we texted a lot. Um, he has not responded since he got fired. But, but, like, I'm just saying, I've had several of these situations before where someone reaches out to you, and you go, I don't know if it's that person. But it's very easy to at least have some due diligence and, like, kind of figure it out. Figure out if that's the right person. And yet, these guys, whoever they are, have been able to get, like, European Parliament members and, like, all these people. And they just say it's Zelensky. Yeah. And then he just shows up and they do, like, a videotaped interview. And he's like, we appreciate all the help you have given us, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> So, we've got a lot of Nazis here in Ukraine. And they're like, well, we know, we know, you do. And, like, there's, it's insane to me. Like, they don't have a process to figure yeah. this out. And those same people can set the interest rate. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> they can't screen a phone call, but they can decide all prices for us. Like, it really is. Fuck, it's bananas. Who are the other people who they've gotten on a... Well, it actually had a crazy one with... I only watched a little bit of it, but uh, Bush. They even got, they got a hold of Bush to comment on the war. No. 
But that doesn't that seem like it makes perfect sense? <laughs> George W. Bush seems like the guy who, if you got his number, he'd pick up and just go yellow. You know, like I'm like, he'd be like, "Hey, can I do an interview?" And he goes, "I love interviews." <laughs> like I always knock him out of the park. And but they got a they got the head of the European Central Bank. Remember her? She just sat right down. Well, they got a they got the bombshell out of her with the central bank digital. Yeah, currency. Yeah, she just so. started admitting shit right yeah. away. They're like, "Why do you need a central bank digital currency?" And she's like, "To control all the people, <laughs> like to make sure." She goes, "They have too much freedom. We got to lock it down." It really was crazy. All right, let's fucking all let's right. take some questions. Any of you guys got anything you want to ask? I will answer. Nothing controversial. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, so oh, she came prepared. She's a nerd. Next. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is bad. She's reading off a phone. That's when it's going to start. In 2003, you were accused of so-and-so. <laughs> it's also classic female. It's like three pages here. <laughs> Labeled, oh, color-coded. Man. All right. There you came, go. Oh, I didn't mean to ruin this for you. All right, all right. I've watched this go bad too many times. Uh, I've been a special ed teacher for 10 years now. Once the lockdowns began, I saw the education system for the disempowerment indoctrination system that it is. Ever since, I've been working my way to leave education, and I'm hoping to do so by 2026. I currently teach at a national charter that contracts with Chicago Public Schools. And I daily see pro-socialist teachings, and I'm surrounded by symbols of woke religion. My question is, what advice do you have for those of us trying to fight the system from within? Can I help with this one? Yeah, absolutely. She said it's special ed, so who gives a shit? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, could I... Could I find a better partner in crime than Robert Fire Bernstein? They're not going to get it either way. It's it's fine. Special ed, socialism, capitalism. Can they put their pants on? That's the question. Really? But you might you might have a more dignified answer. Well, well, what do let me let me ask you a follow up to a question of that to like see where what are you trying to do? Are you just trying to get out, or are you trying to change things from within? Both. Well, no, that's a binary. You can only do one or the other. I'm trying to fuck shit up before I head on out. All right. So I would say, and I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's a really great question, and I don't know what the answer is to it. But I would say once you're set up where you know where you can move next, then you go crazy on fucking shit up mode. You know? Like, then you really go just let everybody know. And it's not so much about the special ed kids. Because I don't know, like, I, you know, those kids, really what they need, and all right, let me say this. This might actually piss people off to hear this, but sometimes even the crazy woke shit might work to the benefit of special ed kids to some degree. You know what I mean? Like, I do think it's like, they're, they're like say like the move towards like autism awareness, that's really great if you have an autistic kid. Like, it really is. Like, it's great that there's more awareness about that. The fucked up thing is that they're trying to push, like, all these crazy values on those kids, which is, like, completely ridiculous and unnecessary. But I'd say what you – you're probably not going to be able to change that entire system on your own. So you need to figure out what your next move is, and then on your way out, just kick up as much dust as you can. 
That's what that that's like what my advice would be. Do as much as you can to be like, hey, this whole thing's crazy, and like let him let him know. Let anyone who might be convinced by that within the system know. But God bless you and good luck with all that because, geez, it is a, it is an insane system. Oh. Okay. All right. Uh, Dave, quick question. Uh, Rob's photo is missing from the outside on the uh, featuring guests. Did you? Are you part of that? <laughs> Hold on, I didn't, I'm not following anything. Wait, Rob's phone is what? Rob's photo. Only you're oh, up there. Photo. Uh, there was a picture of Rob up there before. Rob was that ugly that they had to take his picture down. That they literally went. And you know the fucked up thing? The shows were already sold out. And they were like, this will make people not want to come back in the future. If we see Rob's photo up there, is that true? I saw when I walked in here. I saw Rob's photo. That was earlier. All right, I, I'm. I believe you. I'm just saying. I just. So they took your photo down, or, or does someone love Rob so much that they broke in there and they were like, "I have to go furiously masturbate to this photo right now." By the way, that was a dude. I wasn't. That wasn't an impression of a chick. That was a dude. It was like, I'm going to go aggressively masturbate to this photo of Rob. I don't know. We'll get to the bottom of that before we leave tonight. If the club took down Rob's photo, I will never work this club again with Rob. I will work it with a different opener who is better looking. That's my vow to you good people today. Uh, Follow-up question. What if they gave Rob a shot of a lord as retribution? <laughs> they gave Rob a shot of what? Malort as retribution. I I made that mistake the last time I was in Chicago. What is Malort? It's oh. like some shitty fucking liquor that they're obsessed with. Oh yeah, oh Chicago's turning on us. Fuck deep dish. Fuck all you guys. Yeah. Come on, Rob. Let's fight our way out of this town. <laughs> Eat. Your stupid pizza casserole. Eat. Eat. We don't like it. Yeah. Eat some more street hot dogs, you fat fucks. <laughs> Me and Rob just turn the ground. We have to fucking knife fight our way out of Chicago. Yeah, you dumb motherfuckers. Kanye West wasn't that great after his last two albums. The first two were good, though. We're not even going to argue with you on that. They were good. Over here, Dave. Hey, thanks for coming, guys. Great to see you all. Very Thank funny you, as usual. Thank you, my brother. I, I hope we can all take a minute and celebrate Robbie's special last year. Very smart, very funny. Um, also, like to celebrate the great Louis J. Gomez for going on Tucker Carlson and saying that I think politics are pretty gay. That's a real ass dude move. <laughs> yeah. Well, now he got him canceled. So how good is that? Real ass dude shit. Louis got the best guy on cable news off the fucking air. My great. question is: my question is for both of you. Within the confines of libertarian points that you agree with, what do you feel like is your least favorite argument of that uh, of libertarianism that you think needs to be improved, or uh, within what you feel to be rational and practical to believe in, what is the least favorite thing you have there that you would like to see uh, sharpened up? So, I like okay. Essentially, I don't think there's any flaws in libertarianism. I think there's a lot of fucking shit that libertarians say that I wish they would stop saying. So one of the things that I fucking hate the most, like if I could remove a word from libertarians vocabulary, 
it would be collectivism. I hate that shit. I hate when libertarians talk about like, like, well, I'm an individualist and that's collectivism or something like that. And you're like, because they just use it in a way that just means like, oh, so like if you're a part of a group at all, then that's against what we believe in. I, I like that drives me crazy. I remember there was so when we uh, when the Mises caucus took over the entire Libertarian Party, uh, which yeah, which we did. Um, there was there was a bunch of our like our detractors who said because we were all voting together, they were like, oh, that's pretty collectivist, not very libertarian. And you're like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. Like we can't agree to be a part of a group. We can't agree to all like do the same thing. That's it's libertarian. As long as you're agreeing, that's the whole point of libertarianism. Is like whether you're voluntarily agreeing to something or whether you're being forced into something. That's the the the, the libertarian position is that people like uh, social institutions should be voluntary across the board. That's the argument. And so I hate when people kind of like. You know, if they'll say like, oh, collectivism, is, you know, religion is collectivist or this is collect like, like, no, if people are voluntarily agreeing to do it, then that's fine. And that's great. No, none of us are an island. You know what I mean? Like none of us don't like work with other people. So that really fucking pisses me off. And I think that um, there's, you know, the, the other thing I would say is just that a lot of times basically libertarianism is the view that as long as you're not violating the rights of anyone else, you should be allowed to do something. And so then a lot of people will take that and go, oh, okay, so that means that we should be against kind of, whoa, you all right there, Rob? Watch upstairs. Yeah. So, so that means we should be against, like, opposing anyone who does anything that isn't violating anyone's rights. You know, but that's not right exactly. Like, it's not, so if, if you say, oh, anyone should be allowed to do anything that isn't initiating violence against other people, that doesn't mean that, therefore, no matter what you're doing, we should support that. Like, it, the fact is that, also, if you're really opposed to what someone's doing, that's not violating anyone's rights either. So we could, like, really hate people doing certain things. We could really oppose someone doing, like, something that fucking is bad for everybody. And so those would be the two things, like... That there's nothing wrong with being in a group and there's nothing wrong with like being uh, like you're a fucking degenerate piece of shit and you shouldn't be doing that. It doesn't mean you should like kill them, but it does mean like you could say like, yo, that's fucking wrong and I don't want that around me. So I guess those would be the two, uh, the two things. Hey, uh, Dave, Rob, thanks for coming out. It's Thank you, son. Um, I so I have a question that's kind of more geared towards comedy, actually. Mm-hmm. So I'm a comedian. Not my strong point. <laughs> <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Um, I'm a comedian. My friends are comedians. We're here in Chicago, and we mostly, at least I mostly do improv and sketch. I know cringe, but like, I'm curious how to like transform the scene in a way that's not so woke because it's very um restrictive and suffocating well look first of all i'll say fucking doing like uh 
doing improv and sketch is not cringe, man. Like, there's some, some of the best comedy that's ever been made has been out of that fucking scene. And goddamn it, you guys have such a fucking rich tradition of that in this city, man. Like, this is Second City. This is fucking... I mean, come on, dude. Like, I, I grew up, like, in the 90s. I was a hardcore Saturday Night Live fan. And I, to me, I don't care what anyone else says, but the best... The best cast of comedic talent ever was Saturday Night Live when I was a kid, which was like fucking Chris Farley and Adam Sandler and David Spade and fucking... uh, There was a time when Mike Myers and Dana Carvey were still on the show and Norm MacDonald was on the show and fucking, um, like, I mean, dude, and uh, like there's people I haven't even fucking mentioned yet where you're like, dude, fucking... um, Oh, man. No, hold on, I'm blanking. Holy shit. I'm, Rob Schneider is a fucking boss. Love that guy to death. But who I'm fucking thinking of, Rob, oh my God, am I fucking going to blank on his name? His wife killed him. What's his fucking name? Uh, Hartman. Phil Hartman. Like one of the most, the comedic genius of all time. You know, like those, fu- so don't ever, if you're like trying to do what those guys were doing, don't ever feel like, oh, this is fucking lame or something. Those are the greatest fucking comedic minds, in my opinion, ever. And so, again, like, look, you can't, like, have the attitude with any of this comedy shit. Like, I don't fucking have the attitude that, oh, I'm going to turn around the comedy scene. But if you're going to have any impact, the most important thing is you got to do something really great. Like, that's it. And not great, like, you know, and I hope you guys agree. Like, a lot of you guys here, you might agree with my politics or whatever. But when I'm doing the stand-up show... That's not the job. It's not like, oh, you're supposed to like me just because you agree with my politics. I have to do, like, fucking a great stand-up show, you know? And so, like, the same with you guys in Sketch. The job is to be fucking great. And if you're really doing the funniest shit and it's great, then your whatever message you have is going to carry so much more weight, you know? So that's, like, really what it's about. They try to get as good as you can at your craft, and then you'll be in a position where you can kind of, like, at least have some influence. Like, in the same way that, like, you know, isn't it so weird that the South Park guys don't get more shit? Because, like, they're going against every fucking mainstream orthodoxy, but the reason people can't really give them that much shit is because they're just that good. They're just that good that it's like, ah, fuck, what are we going to do? We're going to fight this battle with, with, you know, Trey Stone and Matt Parker? No, we can't. So, that, to me, that's the fucking, that's the battle. And... That's you guys. I mean, if you're doing sketch improv shit in Chicago, you should be proud of the fucking like like legacy that you're a part of. Like that's the to me that's like the dopest shit ever. Are those guys? So that's what I would say. Hey, uh, hey, uh, big fan of both you guys. Obviously, for a long time. Uh, I was curious. Um, I haven't heard you guys talk about it much. Uh, on the show, what do you guys, if you've seen him, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy coming up for the presidential election, um, he was on Malice and Tim Pool and said a lot of stuff that I think we all like a lot, coming after the Fed and anti-war and everything that we're into. Um, if you guys have heard anything about him, what do you think? I, I, You know, I'm with Don Lemon. He's not black enough. <laughs> I just think, who does he think he is? To talk about the black experience in America, um, I, you know, I'll I'll confess my ignorance on this. Like, I probably don't know enough about him, 
but I'm really happy that he's running. I think he's he seems to be really smart and really good on a lot of issues, and so that he's a, he's a very interesting guy. Um, I know Rob, I, you you might know more about him than I do, but I think he's been good on a lot of really really important so, shit. Uh, Early on with, like, uh, you guys heard me talk quite a bit about, like, ESG scores. Uh, he was a quick person that hopped on that narrative. He wrote an incredible book, Woke Inc. I recommend everybody uh, reads it. Uh, I feel like him and also, like, Robert Kennedy, they're really good candidates in terms of that they'll expose some of the narrative and some of the problems that we have. Uh, so Vivek's really cool in that regard. Like, specifically, there's some big issues like Central Bay. Uh, actually, I don't know about that, but, like, ESG scores he's really on top of. But he's got some stupid horse shit. Like, he actually thinks that we should have a year of civil service between high school and college so that people will be more patriotic if they actually work for the state for the year. Which, by the way, that's not going to work. It might actually educate people into how bad and retarded the state is. <laughs> So in that regard, like, you know how many people I met that, like, served in the army and then they realized, like, oh, the state sucks? Like, so that might actually be the best idea to get more libertarians. So here's the answer. He's probably the best conservative candidate out there on some of the biggest issues, such as uh, green energy, the scam of ESG scores. Like, he is on that, but he's still a dumb conservative. All right. I like that answer. There you go. But one more thing. I don't know how many guys actually watched, like, the Don Lemon clip. A couple, okay, I, if you guys didn't see it, it's worth seeing. He literally dismantled Don Lemon because Don Lemon was sitting there and he had no point of view other than I'm not, you're not, Vivek was like, listen, let's actually have a conversation about ideas here. And then uh, Don Lemon's like, well, you're not allowed to talk about these ideas. Only I can comment on it because I'm black. And CNN even, he got so pinned to that that even CNN fired him. <laughs> <laughs> so, and doesn't, and maybe this will sound fucked up to say, Rob. But don't you kind of like it's so much worse to be Indian than black? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're colored like, and you don't, don't have mean a to be dick. a dick. I don't mean to be a dick, but like, I'm not trying. Listen, don't. This isn't racist. What I'm saying here. What okay? I said was horribly racist. But I'm saying <laughs> it didn't come comparing through. Indian to being black. Like you smell. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, I'm just that's that was a joke. That was not real. I'm, but I'm just saying, like, I can understand, aside from all the woke, insane shit, I can understand someone being like, look, it's all things considered, all things equal. It's tougher to be a minority in a country than to be in the majority. Like, I'd imagine if I, like, if I moved my, my kids to Japan and they're, like, growing up as, like, these little white kids in Japan... Uh, I'd imagine that'd be a little bit tougher than just looking like everyone else looks, you know, like you're different or something like that. I understand that. I understand that. I think that's something that reasonably we should all kind of be aware of. And I think it's reasonable to go like, hey, don't be a dick to someone just because they look a little bit different. If that's what wokeism was, I'd be on board with wokeism, you know, like, but it's not. And then you have these weird battles where you're like, he's going He was making the point that, like, you know, well, black people should do this and that. And he's like, well, you can't say that because you're not black. So you can't, you know. And it's like, look, if you had to be either Indian or black in America, like, black people have been here forever. Black people have cool figures in media that represent them in sports and music and entertainment. And Indians have. That chick who played soccer in a movie. You know what I mean? Like, they have nothing. Like, nothing. They have Kelly Kapoor on The Office. That's their greatest hero. 
that they can aspire to. Like, really, he should be lecturing Don Lemon. <laughs> I thought you guys were going to be way more on board with that second part. I'll be honest. I thought that was going to really win people over. But I think it's true. I think it's way hard. I think it's way harder to be an Indian kid growing up in America than a black kid. Just on that. Like, you know, the, there's benefits. Like, you have parents. All right. Anyway. I was... Zany, you still with me? Are we still putting this on YouTube? Please don't give me a strike, YouTube. I didn't mean it. That was comedy. Hey, YouTube, come on. Please. Send me my check. Hey, how's, it, how's it going? I uh, have a daughter about the same age as you and about the same age. Uh, you have a daughter my age? No, uh, sorry, about the same age oh, as so you. my daughter. All right, that and, makes uh, a lot more I'm sense. I'm just curious to see what, uh, what you're thinking, like, education-wise for her, because there's a... There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, as I mean, as you all know, and uh, just interested to see what your point of view is on that or what your plans are. Sure. Well, I don't believe in educating women, so <laughs> it's, it's very easy. Very easy. <laughs> uh, it's just always the lowest hanging fruit, Rob. I can't help myself. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I, uh, I, I'm lucky... <laughs> I'm very fortunate that I'm I'm in a situation where I'm I'm doing I'm doing okay, so I don't have to really like work like I I'll never look I'll say I'll, my kids will not be going to public school. My kids won't be going to any private school where there's any woke shit taught like that. And most likely it'll be all like homeschool shit like that for me with my kids because that's just that's what I uh, believe in. Me and my wife are both very like committed to you know giving our kids the best kind of foundation that we can. So, but that's, I, I recognize that not everyone has that option. So it's a, it's a tough situation, but uh, I don't know what advice to give other people, but I know that for, for me, like there's no, there's no priority to me that's even close to as important as like making sure that my kids are not like indoctrinated with an ideology that I detest. So, all right, guys, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor for today's show, which is Zbiotics. We all have busy lives these days, and we can't afford to waste a day stuck on the couch because of a few drinks the night before. Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Zbiotics Pre Alcohol Probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by a PhD science to tackle rough mornings that followed a night of drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that is to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut, where you need it the most. Just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol. Drink responsibly and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. Give Zbiotics a try for yourself. Go to zbiotics.com/potp to get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code POTP at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, head to zbiotics.com/potp and you Use the code POTP at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode. Let's get back into it. All right, back of the room. Hey, Dave. Um, love the how the new layout of Gas Digital is going, by the way. I don't know. 
don't know who's on top of that, but really smooth running. But uh, when it comes to the warning... Wait, are we talking about the new uh, website? Yeah, how it's laid oh, out. Oh, you piece of shit. Fluidity. <laughs> oh, you mean it. I thought no, you were no, just no, making I fun of us. No, no, I'm not sure. It's like, whoever's that's on top of That's how little that. confidence I have in it. They go, you're no, no, obviously no. mocking whoever, us. Whoever on top of that, great. Actually runs a lot smoother. Download speed, great. Oh, okay, good. But uh, when it comes to the war in the Ukraine, I've noticed a lot of people... What a transition. <laughs> Hey, like, your website's good, but the war's not that great. I've noticed a lot of people have left out a really simple comparison that's happened in the region. Okay. And I don't know why it is, but when everybody's talking about a European power getting invaded by their, like, their older, bigger brother, why is nobody, I don't know if you have an answer, but it's weird to me that nobody's mentioned that England is still occupying, like, a sixth of Ireland. This is still occurring as Boris Johnson's, you yeah. know, not ending that ceasefire. Yeah, he's still one-sixth of the country's under their control. Yeah, well, I know it's, it's weird that nobody has mentioned that. I don't know why that that is kind of what you're going off of with Rogan, but I don't know. I don't know why no one's mentioned that. I don't know. No, that's an interesting example. That's true. I, I haven't thought of that either, but that's a good point. I've thought of, like, you know, it's it's funny when they'll be like, uh, the, the beef they have with Russia is that they're, like, imperialist or something like that. And it's funny to just see, like, England and France and America on board with that. And you're like, hmm, all right. Um, but even that they'll say uh, they'll say the thing where they're like, well, we can't just allow a nuclear-armed country to conquer and annex their neighbor's land you know, and you're like, how do you feel about Israel? Which is, oh, what are you, a bunch of Jews in Chicago? Sorry, I didn't realize. Me and Rob bringing the truth to you like that. But look, there's a lot of examples like that. It's funny that they even try to make kind of like the thing. I don't even understand why the test should be annexing your neighbor's land. You know, like that. But that just kind of seems weird to me in itself. Like, okay. I mean, I'm not saying that's good, but I'm just saying, like, why is that the test? Because that's a lot of times if you're like, well, America's started more wars than Russia has, they'll be like, yeah, but we don't annex the territory. And you're like, okay. Which, like, like, number one, I mean, we kind of do. Like, we'll overthrow the government and then install a government that's pro-America. But... Even that aside, why does that even matter? Why is the standard who takes more land? Why isn't it like who kills more people? You know? It's like if I, like, imagine like I went to like every house in my neighborhood and just murdered everyone in the house. And then I just went home. And then like someone else went into one house and murdered everyone and took the house. And then I was like, that's really fucked up what he did. <laughs> Like that's he's an asshole for doing that and you were like why it's like because that's not his house like he doesn't have a right to take that house and you're like but you killed all those people in their houses and you're like but I left like doesn't that just seem like a crazy like fucking ridiculous standard like I don't really care like I you know I shouldn't say I don't care I do despite what people on Twitter who give me shit say I think Russia's really fucked up I think Vladimir Putin's really fucked up I just think Americans uh, like especially our political leaders are the biggest hypocrites in the world to say they have a moral objection. Oh, Vladimir Putin started a war. 
we would never. <laughs> you know? Like, okay. So anyway, yeah, but the England example is a very good one. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I, I never even thought of that. All right, thanks for coming out, Dave. Thank and you, Robbie. sir. I have a question for you. You guys have talked about this a little bit on the show, but um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, I guess, the morality of homelessness. And put them down. <laughs> of course. Obviously, put them on an island or something like that. But so besides, like, obviously, it's like a net negative to have homeless people on the streets. It's unclean. It's, it's gross. But... <laughs> Mm-hmm. But it's not. Let him speak. It's not. It's not actually a crime for them to just be like walking the streets or something like that. So, what are your guys' thoughts on the morality of having homeless people be in the city or whatever? Well, I mean, I think uh, I, I don't care what is a crime. I care kind of like what should be a crime, if that makes sense. So, like, it is a crime to have a gun in Chicago for self-defense without, like, a permit. But I don't think it should be a crime, so I don't care. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I, like, I'm concerned with what I think is right. So, like, if someone has a gun here in Chicago, let's say that you live in one of the neighborhoods where people are getting murdered left and right. You know, you, well, not all, but let's say. And you get a gun because you want to protect your family. And... Uh, you you know you you've never used it against anyone. You've never like initiated violence on anyone. You just want to protect your family, and then it gets you know they they catch you with it, and you're going to jail. Like technically, that is a crime, but I don't care. I'm saying I think that's wrong to lock someone up for just trying to protect their family. So it's not so much what is a crime; it's what ought to be a crime and what is wrong. And I think that like look, just being homeless alone, it isn't wrong. But at the same time, like, we look, we're all forced to fucking pay taxes or we'll go to jail. That's like, that's the, we're threatened to pay the taxes. And these taxes build the roads and like the whole commons area. And to me, if I'm trying to like walk my four year old daughter and my one year old son down the street and there's some dude like shooting heroin in the middle of the fucking street or like fucking pissing or jerking off or whatever then I feel like that should be a fucking crime. Like, fuck you. Why do you... Like, my concern isn't your freedom to jerk off in the street. My concern is, like, my freedom to walk my goddamn kids down the street without some fucking guy jerking off in front of them. That's what I... Like, that's just my priority. And if, if it was private, let's say, like, let's say it wasn't a public street, let's say if some guy came in here... And start, said he wanted to camp out. Like right now, we're doing a show. Some guy wants to lay down and go to sleep and start shitting in the middle of this club. He'd get fucking physically removed. And none of us would think that was wrong or a crime or anything. We'd just be like, yeah, this isn't for, you're not allowed to do that. And I feel like there's nothing wrong with rules like that being established for public streets, you know? Like that, it's like, I, I don't know. I don't think, now, I, I don't hate homeless people. I hope they get help. I don't exactly know what the answer to help them is, but I don't think the answer is to go, oh, they're just allowed to camp out, and that's that. And we, the rest of us just have to live with it. I just don't, I don't think that's right. I care a lot more about what kids have to see when they walk down the street than I do about a homeless guy's right to do drugs on the street. Now, that's just that's my feeling. All right. Well, is this working? Awesome. 
Uh, Dave, thank you very much for everything. Um, so my question is, I see that uh, Destiny, the political streamer, has been debating some of the members of the Liberty Movement. He mm -hmm. debated Spike Cohen and Clint Russell. Um, are there any plans or do you have any thoughts on maybe having you or potentially Scott Horton or Tom Woods or these Mises guys uh, debate him on Russia, Ukraine or the lockdowns and the uh, vaccine mandates? Well, I think he just debated Clint Russell, I think, on the Ukraine thing. No, I think that's like uh, the one that they just had. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm not against it. I'll, I'll fucking debate anybody. Like, I don't care. That guy, he he kind of rubbed me the wrong way with a thing where basically I, I think there was a miscommunication and someone, I guess, from his team, like, reached out to me and, like, so at least this is what I think, and asked if I would debate him. I never saw this message. They, like, Twitter messaged me. Uh, and, you know, when you don't follow someone on Twitter, you know how it goes to, like, a different, like, inbox? And I never saw this. And then he just had a title of a video that was like, I'm debating Dave Smith. And then in the video, he's like, I guess Dave didn't show up. <laughs> and then, like, people started tweeting at me, and they were like, oh, you fucking flaked on the Destiny. And I was like, I never agreed to this, ever. And then I started looking through the old inbox, and I saw, like, a message from, like, a month ago. Where someone was like, oh, are you down to debate Destiny? And I just, I was like, I never saw it. And then he never, and so I don't know how the fuck it happened that he like titled a YouTube video. <laughs> We're doing it right now. <laughs> and like, I'd never said anything. Um, so I thought that like was weird, but I would, I would debate him. Sure. I don't know. I've, I've only seen a few things that he's done and I don't, uh, I don't particularly like the guy. Like he just, I hate his style of debating. Like, it's just kind of this, like, weaselly thing where it's not really like, oh, let me let me listen to your argument and try to respond to your argument. It's more like you say something and he goes, ah, oh, no, come on, man. Oh, yeah, it's like, that's so lame. And, like, I, so I don't really like what he does, but I'm not against fucking debating him. If he wants to debate about the Ukraine thing, I'll fuck him up on that issue. Like, here's literally, I don't know what to say. Like, I'll... Uh, I'll wreck him on that fucking topic. I am uh, supposed to... You know that guy, uh, Constantine? Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm debating him on Michael Malice's podcast, oh I believe, in the next couple weeks. So we're going to debate on Ukraine. He's real good on the woke shit, and I think he's pretty good on the COVID shit, but he's real bad on Ukraine, and I'll go debate any of these guys. It's a, it's a real... Honestly, it's... A, the stuff with Ukraine is a slam dunk fucking argument. I don't know what else to say. It's not like there's really no debate to have. We're funding a proxy war of choice on the border of the biggest nuclear power in the world for no reason. Oh, for a war that we provoked. So if someone wants to come fucking debate that with me, I'll debate it. It's fun. It's you know I just did uh, I, I just did Rogan uh, a few days ago and this time I went in there last time and I made my point about Ukraine but this time I just went in like really like I, I, it's like I'm just bringing receipts like I'm not even like making my argument I'm just coming in here like telling you like this isn't me making the argument this is all the people within the national security apparatus making my argument for me over the years in private communications with each other. You know, like they all knew what we were doing here. And if any if anyone wants to have that fucking debate, I'm I'm fine to have it. So I'm open to it. I don't know if we'll do it, but I'm open to it. Hello. Uh, 
And hello there, Dayspin. Remember when someone sent a super chat last year to Clint Watson when it shows so though so much that some huge fan had to get star cheer that person up on the show? Well, that's me with Fat Tape Smith shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I would love for you to congratulate me because I just won an auction that I wanted from la- last week's online charity auction against cancer, which it will be delivered at late May. I finally met one but thanks to the kid star who gave me the confidence I need to meet him last February at the, in the rally against the war machine. My question for you is, as president, if you had to choose between Rob and Michael Malice, who would you appoint as press secretary? All right, let me say, I'm, I'm going to throw you a curveball here, dude. You're my fucking press secretary. I want, I want you yelling at these people all day long. I want them to go, I want them to go we want a press conference, and I'll go, do you? Do you really? All right. Well, this is what you got to tangle with here. <laughs> and he's he's ready to go for hours. He, uh, he came so, in with the energy like he was about to say, Dave, yeah. you are my dad. <laughs> ready to go. He goes, hey, look over there. <laughs> I want my hour you, you got the fucking job. I didn't think anyone could beat Michael Malice out, but it's you. It's you, bro. Fucking, you got the energy, the fucking accent, everything we need. <laughs> Everything we need to go get after it. Am I right? right. What do we have here? Do we have a a limit on time? How are we doing on time in the back, guys? Do we have uh, time for a couple more questions? Uh, All right, 10 15. All right, let's do a few more. All right. Hey, Dave. What's up, brother? Um, I have a friend who works at the Federal Reserve, and I know for everyone in this. (laughs) Fuck your friends! I'm pretty sure everyone... That's not right. Hey, guys, that's not right. It's accurate, but it's not right. It's not. Sir, I got your back. Don't worry. I I know we all know in this room how horrible it is there, but for a typical rank-and-file employee who who thinks that they're doing good work and that the Federal Reserve, you know, needs to be there in in society, can you give, like, a little history lesson and maybe the moral case to end the Fed? That's a good point. Well, listen, a lot of these places are probably great places to work, you know? Like, it's not... You remember when there were those... uh, uh, Raytheon had those commercials about what a great place it is for a trans person to work? Because they're so inclusive. And, like, that's probably right. Like, they're probably really nice to their trans employees. It just sucks if you're getting that bomb dropped on your head in, like, a little Muslim village somewhere. So, I think that... The best thing I would say is you could read uh, Jekyll Island by Edward G. Griffin. And he, in that book, he really, it's like he's making these wild claims about what the Fed is, but then it's footnoted like a motherfucker. So he's making these claims that you're like, this can't possibly be right. But then at the bottom of every page is a footnote that's like, oh, yeah, no, here's the actual quote from the guys. And so, yeah, it's, it's, so if you just try to explain, like, try to get that guy to go, if he's interested at all, to be like, hey, what is this organization you work for? Hey, you should fucking read this book. And if he's willing to do that, he'll kind of see that it's like, oh, yeah, this is all it is, is the fucking bankers got together and fucking built a cartel. 
so that they could rip off the rest of us. That's all it is. And, you know, that's to me, the best case to end the Federal Reserve is just understanding what the Federal Reserve is. That it was a group of private bankers who got together who realized they could pay off fucking congressmen to create a fucking central bank that they had complete control over. And it's fucked up. And, you know, I don't know your friend well enough. Some people are willing to do fucked up shit. I know people who have, like, worked at fucking weapons companies who are anti-war people. But they're just like, they're paying me good. You know? And if he's got that attitude, I don't know if you're going to convince him otherwise. But at least let that, let him know that and let it gnaw away at his fucking conscience for a while. Like, maybe you should do something else. All right, what do we got here? Oh, I always thought Charles Krauthammer was a patriot, but I heard you say he was pure evil. Is yeah. That... Okay. Can you tell me why? I don't know. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, no, I'm me. right. You were okay. wrong. No, no, I don't know. Uh, That's what I'm it's, saying. Uh, it's... Tell me why. So he, Charles Krauthammer was like a huge, like he was the big neocon guy. He advocated for every fucking war from the 90s all the way through Obama. I mean, his big criticism of Obama was that Obama was too soft. That when Obama was bombing the shit out of uh, Syria and arming al-Qaeda, that he wasn't bombing them fast enough and arming al-Qaeda fast enough. That was, yeah, he was just goddamn awful. He was a very smart guy, and everyone at Fox News would always give him a lot of props, like, oh, you're the great, brilliant guy in a wheelchair. But... He was absolutely just like a pure neocon fucking evil war hawk. So I don't, you know, if you look at what he advocated throughout his whole career, terrible, terrible guy. Just awful. Um, And he's, and and wrong about everything. Like he was a guy, just like all the other neocons, he was the guy who was always like, he's supposed to be this big brain foreign policy expert. And he'd always be explaining like, if we overthrow Saddam, then democracy will sweep the region and Saudi Arabia will become a democracy and all of this will happen. And then we did it and the exact opposite happened. (laughs) And then he'd be like, well, if we do this, you know, if we overthrow Gaddafi, then democracy will sweep Libya and then blah, blah, blah. And then we did it and the opposite happened. By like the sixth time, you're like, I don't think you're that smart. You know? And so he was, you know, I hate to speak ill of the dead, especially the crippled dead. But he was a really bad guy. A really, yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was not a good fucking guy. Um, so I don't know. If you need more, go back and read some of his articles in the '90s. Read like go read all his pieces about foreign policy. Read his predictions because he made like really strong predictions, and they're all wrong. So, yeah, that's bad, bad man. Thank you. So uh, the Mises Institute has been one of the biggest uh, drivers of my political and cultural worldview. And Jeff Deist recently left the Mises Institute, left the Human Action Podcast. Do you see the Mises Institute changing or the future of, you know, whatever Jeff Deist is doing, you know, changing things or... You know, do you have insight in what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, I so I just talked to Jeff uh, yesterday, um, and we're going to do a podcast in within the next week. We're trying to work out the day because uh, we're both traveling a lot. So I don't, you know, I, I'll be interested to kind of like talk to him about some of this stuff. I also just he just put out a book. It was really really good. So uh, that's um, a strange liberty. Is Jeff Dice's new book? It was really great. So I want to talk to him about that and talk to him about the Mises uh, Institute stuff a bunch. I don't know. I'm a little concerned about it. 
to me, also, the Mises Institute was like the greatest organization in the world, and they really like like introduced me to everything that I you know really really helped me understand what's going on in the world. Um, I'm concerned because he was like the guy who was like the steward of that organization. Lou Rockwell is a, the hero of all heroes, you know, but he's uh, he's also old, you know, and th- this is like the kind of thing that the liberty movement is going through is like Ron Paul is old and Lou Rockwell is old. And a lot of these guys are kind of toward the end and Jeff Dice leaving now. I don't exactly know who's going to grab the reins over there and, and take it to the next uh, level. I there's great people at the Mises Institute. You know, there's still so many great people there. I'm sure they'll figure it out and what the next step is, but it's something I'll be real interested to talk to Jeff Deist about. So it's, I don't, that's, sorry, that's not a great answer to your question, but it's like, let me try to find out. All right, last question. <laughs> last question. All right, here we go. Yeah, um, you hear a lot from libertarians and right leaning people too, like around here, um, just a sentiment that it's kind of pointless to vote, like especially in the presidential. Um, just because it's a blue area. So, like, what's your opinion on that? Um, I think voting is uh, largely symbolic. I think voting in, like, local elections is something that, that can matter, you know? Like, if you're voting in if, – if you're in your town and there's a few thousand people voting, like, okay. But it's just kind of like a math question, you know? Like, if you fucking – if you were deciding on something and you were, like – there's three people voting, let's say. And if two out of the three vote in the direction you vote, then something's going to change. You'd be like, okay, that's important. Because if I and one of these other two people vote this way, we win. But if there were fucking 600 people voting, you'd be like, well, it doesn't really matter that much. If there's 6,000 people voting, it really doesn't matter that much what your vote is. And if there's 90 million people voting, then it, it's nothing. And it's insane to pretend it is anything like it's so what voting actually means is like if there's a candidate who's some who's saying something so awesome that you're like, I want that person to get as many votes as possible so that it's it it like sends a message to the system. Then that kind of matters, you know, like maybe that's worth doing it. I'm just saying my whole thing is just like don't pretend the magic is real. Like, don't, like, vote with this idea that, like, it's my patriotic duty and I'm participating in democracy or something. Like, no, you're not. But that doesn't mean don't vote for someone. I fucking waited online to vote for Ron Paul because, goddamn, if Ron Paul runs for anything, I'll vote for Ron Paul. Because, fucking, I don't care. He's If he's running, I'll go vote for that guy because he's that great. But I'm, a, I'm I was also, like, a realist. I wasn't like, I'm changing the world right now, you know? <laughs> like, if you, when you see that homeless guy, you know, you're talk, asking about the homeless in the back, that, I think that guy should be, you know, kicked out of the public street. But if I, I'll go give him five bucks. And if you go give someone who's hungry five bucks, you're doing so much more for the world than you are when you're voting. Like, you're actually doing something. You know what I mean? You're actually doing, like, let you tipping your wait staff tonight is more important than you voting. Yeah, they're homeless is what I'm trying to say to you, okay? They don't have a home. Give them money. But so I just, it's not like, I'm not against voting. I'm just saying, like, be real about what, you know, like, what the actual impact is that you're doing. And if you talk to, like, you know, 
like if you if you talk to your kids or your friends or anything about like what you really believe in and what you think is wrong in the world, I think that's way more important than than just casting a vote. But that doesn't mean go cast your vote for for the person who you think is the best person for the job. I I still support doing that, but uh I think we should be realistic about what it actually means. Um all right, Rob. We fucking, fucking did it, dude. We did it. Wait, man. Thank you guys so much, everybody, for coming out tonight. Zany, Chicago, two sold-out shows tonight. I'm very grateful to all of you guys for coming out. I will be, if you want, I'll be outside uh, taking pictures in about 10 minutes if you guys want to do that. Uh, so please come out. Thank you for listening. Catch you guys next time. Peace.